Welcome to the Work Joy Jam. I'm Beth Stallward, your podcast host. I'm really excited in this episode to be joined by a fantastic sports person. She'll tell you more about which sports, um, Shauna Brown. And Shauna has had such an interesting and varied career, both in sport and outside sport. And when I was introduced to her, I just found her story so incredible, really, really inspiring in terms of how she approaches things. I love how she has always asked for help, how she's always done it in a way that has helped her get what she needs, how she's so positive about things, even when things are tough. And she's just a real inspiration to me. And I really hope you love this conversation. I know I did. Welcome to the Work Joy Jam. In this episode, I am massively excited to be joined by Shauna Brown. And when I first had a conversation with Shauna, I was so excited, impressed, engaged with her story, with where she's come from and uh, where she is now and all the amazing things she's doing. And I can't wait to share this conversation with you. So Shauna, first of all, over to you. Can you tell everybody who you are and what it is that you do? Uh, So firstly, hello, hello, Beth. Hello to everyone listening. Um, I can tell you in brief, I'll try and keep it brief. So as of as of at the moment, I am a professional rugby player. I play rugby as a tight head prop for Harlequins in England. Um, and then alongside that, I am a, a board member of the Student Rugby Football Union. I'm part of a feasibility study into the, looking into Women's Lions rugby tour happening. Um, and there's, as we'll get into that, there's so much that has led me there in the first place, but previously been to Commonwealth Games as a hammer thrower, um, competed in, in many a, a world junior championships but like I said I'm very sure we will get into all of the good stuff later on. Amazing and I love it that um, you're not just giving that one job you have here there's many different features of what you're doing and one thing I didn't know until right now is the feasibility of a women's Lions rugby tour that would be amazing. I I, I would love to uh, watch that so I'm, I'm excited hopefully that will happen. So, Shauna, would you be able to do for us like your potted career history? Because I think what you're what you've done in the past is totally fascinating. I think everybody else will as well. And so often when we see people like you, Shauna, and, you know, I was saying to you the other day, I was at Twickenham and I saw a massive picture of you on the side of the stadium and was like, ah, that's so exciting. We see you for who you are and what you do now and not the journey that led you here and I would just love for you to tell everybody about the kind of different things you've done the journey of your career and how all of these things have led you to where you are today so take it as you will from wherever you feel is the most relevant and tell us about your career story yeah so, so like you said like if I start sort of towards the end and where I am now if I looked back say 10 years ago I said to myself in 2021 I'd be not only a professional rugby player but playing rugby for England and like you say have a huge picture of me across Twickenham <laughs> Stadium um, even across the road at Twickenham Stoop at Harlequins there's plenty of, of pictures of, of me and the other girls up like I, I would say I have a laugh not only would I say <laughs> have a laugh I'd say what is rugby so I, 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 I grew up not knowing anything about rugby and uh, um, 
just I guess it's part of my mantra is just just to do things and give things a go and see see what happens and that's just pretty much where I am now I'm still just seeing what happens and people yeah. say what do you want to go do when you grow up and I still like, I don't know who knows I've still, still got a lot of uh, many years ahead of me but yeah. if, we, if we take it right back so I started in sport like the reason I am who I am today is is almost entirely because of sport there's obviously external factors like family friends and so mm. much help and support along the way but it was all help and support along the way of my sporting journey yeah. um and I like, sort of first got into formal sport age 12 doing athletics and that was shot put discus and like my first life lesson I guess was in that in terms of I went to athletics track thinking that I wanted to run and because that's what you've done an athletics track and that's what athletics yeah. are surely made of is just runners and sprinters so went down there with the intention of, of running and being a sprinter soon found out I'm not particularly fast and that's still <laughs> still true to this day and actually not only am I not fast but it's for me it's actually pretty boring like just <laughs> running around like, yeah. I mean good luck to all the people that do it there's many of those who are very good at it but for me and how my brain works it was like it wasn't for me um, and then realized within the sport of athletics, there were so many other aspects to it. And the one I, I picked out was shot put and discus. And there's actually a bit of a referral from the sprint coach. Um, and she actually just printed out a bit from the, the coaching manual and said, here's how to throw a shot put. Like, like I think you'd be good at it. Here's a printout. Go and have your time. Like it in a nice positive way. Yeah. Like, I, I can't, I can't actually help you uh, in her honesty. Like, I can't really help you with that but here's the, the tools to go and sort of help yourself as it were. So like I say, got, got into formal sport age 12 um, with shot put and discus. And then that, that in itself has just taken me across so many different places in the world, places in the country, taught me so many sort of life lessons along the way. And like I say, starting right from the beginning, i.e. it's not always the headline things that you're good at and actually you need to try things to know that you're not good at them or don't enjoy them because um, the, the two are again two different things mm. um, and then from there sort of went through all the school doing athletics and a lot of the reasons why I like I said experienced so much of, of the world and met so many different types of people was because of athletics and traveling and with my club and I I really now I look back I was, it was a privilege to be able to be around so many different types of people whether that be skin color, personality types, education, and um, how we speak, what countries we're from, what countries our parents are from, how we how we came to, to be in this country. And actually so many people, even now as adults, don't have that privilege and they yeah. are around a lot of the same type of people all the time and don't realize how much joy there is out there in, in the world to experience. So yeah, pr pretty privileged in that, in terms of growing up, like that was very much my normal, like people from all over the world, people with different accents, different foods, different hair, different clothing, all of that was, was my everyday growing up. And, yeah, amazing. And then like within athletics, like put, took it pretty serious pretty quickly because um, in my first competition ever, I got a bronze medal and wow. I had not, not really won a medal before. And it was just like, oh. I'm actually not only is it good fun, but I'm actually quite good at it, it seems. And then it was just the confidence from other people who would also tell me. And again, that's another life lesson is from people encouraging me and reminding me that like you are good at it. You can do it because yeah. even though like the distance might not seem far or it sort of came 
sort of almost naturally to me it's still other people saying like so many people work a long time to, to get those kind of distances or, or to be able to throw the way you do you've definitely got a talent for it so it's just that that recognition from other people and as we get onto it it's actually how I got into rugby was recommendation from other people which is why like we need to expose as many people as we can to as many different life situations whether it's sporting work and family friends um as we can um and then like I say within athletics took it real seriously and by the time I was 17 I was competing for Great Britain in the world youth championships so that's like an under 18 age group yeah. and taking it on from then it was so we started at world youth championships then went on to European juniors which is um under 20s and then we had commonwealth youth games which again is a, is a sort of under under 19 event um that was in india even to this day that sort of top three best experiences of my life and that whole concept of meeting so many people from so many different mm. parts of the world and yes i got to do that at, at world championships but the world championships is only athletics whereas commonwealth youth games is a whole range of sports and people from places who, who are not actually even countries, like they're just territories and like people from islands that is like 2000 people, whole population, yeah. or even like just a few thousand. It's like, it was just mind blowing to, to even listen to their stories of, of how they train and the facilities that they don't have and the equipment they don't have and what they have to do. And like they're having to go out to work and, provide for the whole family being a 15 year old being the main breadwinner of a whole family and how they live like types of buildings types of homes like all of that I, I got from a young age it like I was 18 19 at, at the time and it's just realizing how privileged we are in the UK and like to yeah. be in so many situations so definitely like one of the best experiences of my life and being able to go and watch any sport I wanted any day of the week like once I'd finished competing I was just going around it and most of it by myself actually just um other people just wanted to chill out or or watch the like the headline events but I was I was anywhere that had a had a ticket or like I just like to keep busy um and again that's that's a theme throughout my life yeah so yeah so Commonwealth Youth Games then uh, a World Junior Games uh then come to a bit of a sticking point with the transition from being a junior athlete to a senior and ultimately I actually changed event in that period and then went to the Commonwealth Games 2014 in Glasgow as a hammer thrower. So I'd gone from doing shot foot and discus my whole sort of childhood and, and mm. as a youth, changing events, like getting older, changing events and finally competed like, at the highest level in hammer throw. Amazing. So and hammer throwing is the one that um, I call like the spinny roundy chucky one. That's the right one I'm thinking of. Yeah, to it? be fair, they're all quite spinny roundy chucky. It's the one that Miss Trunchbull in Matilda. Yes, is that's on. the one. That's exactly <laughs> how I picture it. It's Mrs. Trunchbull in yeah. Matilda. Yeah, yeah. And I, oh, that was a stereotype I had to juggle with for growing up, etc. But it's, um, yeah, like I say, 2014 Commonwealth Games, representing England in the hammer throw, made it to the final. I didn't throw too well in the final, very disappointed myself, like a lot of tears and a, a lot of upset. But then like that's kind of when I started to fall out of love a bit the, the year after that. And I always said to myself, like I was never paid to do it. It was never something that was a career option in terms of income yeah. or, or anything like that. And I will go into my jobs afterwards. But I always said to myself, if I stopped enjoying it, then it, it was time to move on. 
Um, yeah, and then 2015, the end of 2015, that's actually when I found rugby. Um, and I guess like my headline fact in terms of rugby is that I had my first game of, of rugby 15s in December 2015. And by November 2017, less than two years later, I was running out for my first England cap, um, my first England game. So it was um, it was a, it was a pretty, pretty, pretty good ride, pretty fast ride. But now, yeah, just just reveling in that. Um, but if we do you want to go into careers yet? Or Yeah, I mean, first of all, before you kind of because I know that you, there's a whole other there's a whole other track, isn't there? There's a whole other story around your career. So this is your sporting career. But that that time frame from your first ever trying it out to kind of being in the team is amazingly quick, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's unheard of, but it's not. It, it's mainly because I had a good foundation. Yeah. And if you do sport, and it, it just is my again like a mantra, like do something now, and you never know where it can lead you. So the only reason why I did excel so quickly in rugby is because I had such a good foundation of strength, yeah. speed, and power. But then also the sort of the mentality side of it as well and being able yeah. to pit. So once I was committed to training, like no matter what, no matter whose birthdays, no matter like weddings, anniversaries, family parties, it was about going to training and it was about going to games and that, that sort of competition elite mentality. And yeah, that all came from athletics and, and from my coach and that need to be the best almost and like I told myself when I started playing rugby that I would just it was just something to do because I'd finished my international <laughs> career yeah I thought I just need something to do of an evening because I, I find it very difficult to just go home and chill out like five days I can chill out with the best of them but five to seven days a week oh, no chance I just need something to do so yeah initially and- just told myself I was going to chill out and yeah, <laughs> and, still- then, and here you are on the <laughs> edge of the kind of stadium in the England team I love it um tell us about so as you said you know when you were doing the hammer throwing when you were kind of competing that's not a career that kind of pays you pays the bills it's not something that you can earn um, a living through so you were also having a kind of career on the side of it and tell us some highlights of the career you had in in the world outside of sport yeah so my career like my careers as, as it were Headlines are the first proper job I had was an apprentice as a British gas installation engineer. And ultimately, they're the people who come around, rip your old boiler out, rip your central heating system out, radiators, etc. And put new ones in It is the simplest way to describe it. Um, and then after that, went on to commercial diving. So that's underwater, um, just labouring. So you look at anything that's halfway out the water there's a lot of structure in the water so sometimes it's literally just a bit of maintenance going and checking um, anything that needs changing it's it's so broad it's a whole sort of engineering department in itself and then from there went on to being a firefighter but like going back to British Gas it they supported me so well in the end in in terms of with the Commonwealth Games so I was with them for between 2010 and 2015 like in the height of my athletics career yeah and it was like a fantastic opportunity I knew always knew growing up like I didn't want to go to university a levels I had tried them but I went into it thinking they're probably not for me because I was more of the practical learner so I did give a levels a go and tried it for a year finished that year it wasn't for me so it was about looking for an apprenticeship 
um, and yeah, found found British Gas. And at the time, I wasn't specifically looking for either a gas apprenticeship nor an installation. Like for me, it was just about applying for apprenticeships. So I, yeah. I applied for everything from one of my favourite ones was within Royal Mail. They maintain their own vehicle, their fleets. Yeah. So it was a mechanic with Royal Mail. Um, I think I applied to Sky, sort of Virgin Media, um, Network Rail. So any of those huge companies, BMW and their mechanics, any of those huge companies with apprentices and apprenticeships, I was applying for them. And British Gas just happened to be one that that, that got back to me and, and came up chumps in the end. Amazing. Um, yeah, and it just got supported, like I say, through my sporting career with that and got to a point where I, I asked for this help. Um, help and support in terms of extra time off work and sort of a change of job role to support my athletics career mm. and I just went straight to the top of actually the, the wider company of British Cash called Centrica and just asked for all of these things hoping that I might get half of them in terms of support and they ultimately like spoke to the top and they passed me to this person and passed me to these people and like everyone just wanted to help yeah and and ultimately yeah, made it happen and and made made the commonwealth games in 2014 even possible for thanks to, to british gas and, and wanting to help and support me i love that for two different reasons the first one is isn't it a great example as if you're really clear about what you need and what you want and ask for it mm-hmm. how much people are willing to help i and it's so interesting so many people say oh i couldn't possibly ask for these things but if you don't ask you will never get it yeah it's literally that and I actually don't know where I got that trait from, but it, it's just, well, do, do you want to, like, it's that kind of moaning thing. If you moan about something, you have to then do something about mm. trying to fix it. If yes. you've not tried to fix it or you've not tried to make it better, then you have no right to moan. Or yeah. even if you've not told the person, mm, <laughs> yeah. this is not quite exactly. right, then you've got no right to moan. So really, I just wanted an excuse to moan. I thought if I ask for this, <laughs> they don't give it to me, I can have a moan. But <laughs> they gave it all to me, so yeah. there's no moaning allowed. Um, in my world, Shauna, I'm very similar to you. I have a one moan rule, which is allowed to moan at me once. But if after that, you moan, come and moan at me again, you haven't done anything about it, yeah. I'm not going to listen to you because you have to take action on those things. So I love that. It's like before I moan, I'll just take the action. But actually, the action means I don't need to moan. Wow. <laughs> That's great. And the second thing, which is totally random, but I really love about it is there are people in this country who you have fitted a new boiler for who probably don't even know that you're now this person who they see on the tv playing rugby isn't that interesting about like you know the experience of people in different situations yeah yeah there, there's definitely a, a few people out there who, who wouldn't know where I am now there's there's actually a, a family that did get in touch with me afterwards like once I'd sort of started playing rugby for England and started building a profile I said oh you came and fitted my boiler back in like 2013 or whatever so I was like oh that's cool oh. Oh, cool, they remember. They remember you. You obviously leave a lovely impression with people. Yeah. And it is, isn't it great there that, you know, alongside your sporting career, you've had support. But you've also had, like, those, those are really interesting jobs as well, like fitting gas boilers, uh, doing the diving, being in these situations of being a firefighter. I feel like you've had a very um, practical, hands-on career in your non-sport career and then a real practical, hands-on career in your sporting career as well. Yeah, it's more to do with my personality type. Like back in 2017, I tried to do an office job for three months. It was just while I was looking for for diving work. Honestly, it affected my whole life. I I was just, number one, I was bored all the time. But number two, like I wasn't as hungry as I usually am. I was always tired. Like sitting down actually makes me more tired. 
when yeah. I go to train. I think I've been sitting down all day and I'm still not ready for training when I get there. So it's that not being tired at night and not being able to sleep as much. And I was just like, wow, this is a different way of life. And it, yeah, it really wasn't for me. So it's just yeah. kind of that identifying who I am and what I need as a person and then taking that into your work and not necessarily feeling some people, yes, you might feel trapped, but again, it's that doing something about it. And rather than come up with the excuses, just think, yes, you may have to make sacrifices small or, or very large, but ultimately like it's about being happy, not only in work, but in life. And like, for me, it was just realizing who I am as a person, what makes me happy, like within sport, outside of sport. And if I'm happy outside of sport, it actually makes me even happier when I do my sport. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because you've had for many years this kind of dual track career going on, right? You've been doing a sport on one side and you've been doing your kind of um, business or, you know, side on the other of it. And actually looking at how those two things complement each other and support each other are not necessarily one is one and one is the other and they give you different things. Yeah, yeah. But and then, and then there's a lot from my sport that goes into work and learning how to speak to people learning how to present myself at at an Mm. interview like learning how people view me learning commitment dedication the importance of of arriving on time the importance of applying yourself fully to a task the importance of asking for help as well so like a lot a lot of my work life is enhanced by my sporting and I would say like, like sport does so much more for me than work and sport enhances work as opposed to work enhancing sport mm. um but like I say yeah I've had to had to do both most of most of the time most of my years until 2019 when we were awarded professional contracts to play rugby as women but up until that moment at doing a 12 13 hour day as in leave my house at eight o'clock in the morning to go to work having to go straight to training not getting back till sort of 10 11 o'clock at night like that that was what I'd done that that was just it's what it was my life and yeah. I, I didn't complain about it that that's what I chose to do I could sometimes you might have a few down days or a few down weeks and you think oh like knackered all the time why do I do this but ultimately I chose to get a job where I had to leave before eight o'clock in the morning I didn't have yeah. time to go home and eat I would just eat on the road etc but it then got me the success elsewhere so it's about those choices and me making my own informed choices yeah, and that's a really interesting one, isn't it? And I, I, I would di- directly raise it back to the difference between understanding the choices you made and working with the choices versus moaning about the choices you haven't made or that you have made, but you've not really understood yet. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then sort of a lot of people, when I like, I'll say, oh, I've, like, I've got this opportunity come up or I've got this support. And they go, well, how'd you get that? I said, well, well, I asked. Like, whoa, (laughs) you don't do that. I went, all right, maybe you don't, but I didn't look. Look Look what happened. (laughs) Yeah, and it's that kind of that fear of of asking. And again, back to the having a moan, the first thing I'll reply to that is, okay, what have you done about it? Or have you told that person, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. Well, why not? Would you like me to to tell them? Oh, no, 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 I don't want you to tell them either okay so you that's it now you you've no longer got the right to moan about it because you're not trying to help fix it in in any way yeah it's amazing so you're I'm loving the fact that you've had these careers that have enabled you to do 
your sports stuff, it's been like a big hard slog doing both at the same time. But it's a choice you made because you really wanted to do it and you loved it. And it, and then 2019 comes and you get a professional contract. What did that feel like? It, it, was, a, it was a lot of mixed emotions, actually, because it was... I'd applied to the fire service, Kent Fire and Rescue, got a place, one of 24, after thousands had applied. So getting a place in itself was an achievement. And then I completed my training. We had our pass out parade and I was working as a firefighter for a year. And then I've got this offer of a professional contract, which on the surface, I'd have to give up the fire service and give up that career that I just spent the last two years working so hard for. So it's kind of like, well, actually, I'm not sure I want a professional rugby contract because I'm only going to play rugby until, you know, for for another few years. It's a very physical sport. You can't do it forever. You, you can't do it for a long time. But the fire service I could do for a long time and being a firefighter and then the different branches I could go into within that. Like ultimately, the fire service could could have been a job for life and it, and yeah. it still can be a job for life. So I had to have a little battle with myself about that and the possibility of actually maybe saying no to the professional rugby contract, but still trying to train around fire service. Because again, I I had so much support from, from Kent Fire and Rescue and like they made it possible that even when I was working full time as a firefighter, essentially I was, I was training full time as well, just because of the way you can do the shifts and, and yeah. work around it and be so flexible. I was having the best of both worlds and tiring, yes, but I was able to train full-time as a rugby player and be a full-time firefighter. So it was a bit of a battle, but then ultimately came up with, well, I just asked for help, actually, and I guess a theme running through it. Wrote to the top of the chief executive of Kent Fire and Rescue, and she said, I said, I've got an offer of a professional contract, but I don't want to give up my career in a fire service. Like, can we can we do anything about it? And I remember it was about 10 o'clock at night because I was on, on shift at the time, sent the email and within about half an hour, bear in mind now, she is chief exec of like the whole of Kent Fire. She's a busy woman. And I got a reply within half an hour and I was like, right, this is a, this is a very good sign straight away. And it, it was pretty much a, yep, yeah, I'm sure we can do something. Like let's talk to the HR director. I was like, right. Okay. Well, that's a, like, that's a good start. Um, And then got it. So, I was still employed by the fire service. I just changed role and changed the amount of hours I was doing. So it would complement my time with, with rugby because another thing that was important to me and still is, is not just concentrating on one thing entirely at all times, because for me, that's when I get almost too caught up in it and it would get to a point if I had a bad training session, then I had nothing else to look forward to. So right. it affected the rest of my day or I had, had a bad competition especially in athletics had a bad competition and it affected the rest of my weekend because I, like, I had nothing else to to think about as such so I, I knew like being a completely full-time and having nothing else with rugby wasn't the best thing for me so it was an ideal situation in terms of the offer from from the chief exec yeah. and the HR director we can offer you a role with inclusion and I was working as an inclusion officer within Kent Fire and Rescue for uh, sort of the last two years um, I'm currently on sabbatical with them now so I am full-time rugby and then just have plenty of other bits going on as well yeah but yeah I, again it's, it's that theme of asking for help and yeah 
asking it in a, in a nice, nice positive way. Because actually, I did ask one day, like, why did you, why did you help me? You didn't have to. You could have just said, oh, no, it won't work out. Sorry, see you next time. And she said, well, just because number one, you asked. And number two, you asked nicely. Like, you didn't demand yeah. anything. You just asked if there was anything we can do. And we, like, we want to help people as much as some people are, are begrudged by the people at the top and they think no one is there to help us. Is that we actually want to help people and you ask for help. So, so we offered it and wish more people would do it. Isn't that interesting? That whole, you know, rather than asking and saying you need to do something, but what can we do and getting involved in that conversation about what's possible. And I also think there's a theme here, isn't there, about actually not going locally, but going to the top of the organization going, this is what I'm trying to do. I'd love it. I'd love to make this happen about how, how such positive responses you've got and I'm sure like there will be people out here going but I've tried that and it didn't work and it's not going to work every time is it like as you said they could have just said no but you had choices there it was a no or a maybe right the maybe is a better chance than just not even trying yeah yeah and and it's exactly that it's the like as much as the success I do have I've been rejected like I don't know five times for every one time I've had success yeah and people will only see the successful ones of course because I'm not going to shout about the times I've been rejected um but it's understanding that you have to ask to get and yes you, you might get told no on occasions or you can't have everything you've asked for but you can have this it's just kind of being able to put yourself out there with the potential yeah. for rejection and then being able to to come back from that and that that is a skill in itself and as I've learned, like so many people don't put themselves out there because they're afraid of being rejected or afraid of, of not being liked or not being accepted when actually like that's the power of you as a person. You need yeah. to put yourself out there because you'll probably find that you might feel you're, you're against the norm and, and you're not going with the tide. But there's a few others as well that also feel that way. But because mm. no one else has spoken up, then they don't speak up. It's like yeah. when you've just got a, a very dominant person in a room who has a very strong view on something you just assume because nobody else has said anything they all agree but actually one person stands up and disagrees and then somebody else does and then it's just just because you're quiet about something doesn't mean you agree or disagree so it's just being a bit being a bit more vocal with it and you have to take the rough with a smooth and, and take rejection but also it with rejection does sometimes come success yeah and it's an interesting thing rejection and I always say to people when they say but I'm scared of getting rejected is I feel like rejection hurts quite a lot in the moment you get rejected right it's like an acute pain for a moment but actually it's 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 quite easy in the long run to forget about it really whereas disappointment of not having done anything is one of those things I think can eat away at you a little bit and it becomes a bit of a chronic thing versus an acute oh that stung a bit that I got rejected that I'm disappointed I didn't try or I could have done something different is in the long term a worse feeling yeah it's that that thing of the what if and and the regrets and actually if if you ask me what are my biggest regrets I, I don't really have a lot one of them I guess well the main one would be not taking the opportunity of a scholarship to America for sport but then as I said earlier I didn't I didn't want to go to university so actually maybe it wouldn't have been a great decision but like it's just that trying to not have too many regrets because like you say the rejection in that moment hurts but especially me and my personality type 
I'm going to go off and find something else to do, something else to concentrate on. Yeah. Because I know if I don't, I will think about it over and over again and think, oh, what if mm. I done this differently? What if I use this word? Like, what if I was yeah. in this situation? <laughs> so actually, I know that I, to keep me happy, I have to keep busy. And it's yeah. that, okay, what's next? That's happened. Yes, it hurts. And as much as people say, oh, don't think about it, move on. It's very hard to, to not think about something that hurts. Yeah, it's then it about what you do next. And for me, I know I then have to concentrate and think about something else that I'm going to do. And whether it's related to what I was rejected to, i.e. improving myself and then going back um, to original proposal or, or something completely different. And whether that's changing career, changing sport, even in terms of like friendship circles, like is that is that the best friendship circle for me to be in? Is that that I need that person in my life? And and it, it can get very deep and as to who like who's around you and like the guilt you feel and especially in terms of family and yeah, it's just there's there's so much like these things are always going on in my head and it, uh, there's a lot, but it's it's yeah. ultimately it's about yourself and having to be selfish sometimes and it's not the fashionable thing to do, but actually it it can be the right thing for you to do. Yeah, uh, two things that I'm just really reflecting on from what you've been saying. And the first one goes back to this point about actually having more than one thing to do for you. Kind of, I, I, you didn't quite use these words, but in my head, the way I was interpreting it is, is being able to have some kind of reality, some some kind of grounding that isn't just the one thing you're working on. And whether in people's lives that sport, as it is in yours, like not not just doing rugby because that can get very intense and very much, you know, get too emotionally involved, all of that kind of stuff. Having something else to balance that out and to be a grounding force. And I'm thinking for people in work, I often end up working with people who, um, have be- where work has become their entire life things and they've forgotten that doing something outside of work whether that's sports or arts or having a hobby or seeing people or just doing something for themselves how important that is to actually be good at your work as well yeah I it's, when I go back to I think who am I if you looked at if you looked at my Instagram if you looked at my social media if you took away my rugby pictures anything that involved any sort of rugby who am I? Like, can you tell what sort of person I am if you take away the, the main chunk of my life? And there was a point a couple of years ago where I'd say, actually, you probably couldn't. And that that could also be to do with how much you're putting out there on something public like social media. Yeah. But it's just like if you spoke to a friend who, like not a particularly close one, but someone who knows you, would they be able to say what you stand for? And I, I although... On the face, of it, I am very consumed with rugby, and like joked about earlier, spending my time off, I go and watch rugby, um, go and watch other people play rugby, go and watch other people train for rugby. But <laughs> there's, I just got a lot going on, so just a lot of rugby going on. But again, that's that's my choice. Um, but also, when I speak to, to younger people who are either applying to jobs or applying to universities, it's reminding them that you need to stick out. And these days, you have a um, the, I know the levels have changed like your one to nine grades but equivalent would have been me like A's and A stars yeah if you had three A's at A levels you're, you're not going to stick out that much because there's a lot of people who, who have three A's but if you had three A's and a sport or a hobby or something to actually talk about you're yeah. going to stand out a lot more than people around you and not only because you've got something to talk about it but you can then like refer to those situations and when I actually applied for the fire service, it was a, um, it's like a, a questions-based interview, a, a scenario-based, and they they would ask me questions and I'd have to answer it with experiences in my life, 
Yeah. And of the, I think there's like six questions, but of those six, at least five of them were rugby. Like I answered them with rugby related answers. And I got to a point where I was apologizing. Like, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to use another rugby <laughs> example. And like, no, 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 that's exactly what we want. Like we want to hear your example through life, however you've got there. Um, so it's just that what makes you stand out. And especially as, as a woman, like doing sport or doing something that you're passionate about yeah it just makes you stand out so much more definitely and employers look for that kind of broad range of skills that you know all the as you said all the skills you learned from sport you've taken into your other side of your career because they're all important and they're all all you know people talk a lot about transferable skills but they're kind of life skills that you can take with you in any situation you're in the other thing that I was going to pick up on is this this point about, you know, sometimes being a bit selfish. And I've been saying for a couple of years, and you might have heard me say it on other podcasts or in other things, is that I think in the English language, we need a new word. And I haven't quite discovered what this word could be yet, but maybe you can help me, Shauna, is we automatically assume in our heads, because even you apologised for it then, that the word selfish is something negative. We assume it's a bad thing to be selfish. When actually, if you really understand what selfish means, and this is why we need another word for it, where it is looking after yourself, it is doing the things that bring you joy, it is making sure that your well-being, your sports, your happiness is there, that enables you to be great for other people. So it's actually not a selfish, you know, not a negatively selfish act to look after yourself. In fact, if we all took a little bit more care of ourselves, whether that's physical, mental, emotional, well-being, whichever version of it, where we sort out the, you know, the happiness or the joy or the things that we do well and all those things that come together, we would be better in service of other people. You're you're exactly right. And right in terms of like selfish is associated with being negative. And yeah, we do need a new word. What about what about like one ship? I'm being at one with myself. At one ship. One oh ship. My. Do you like that? I've just, I've just made that up on the spot. Oh, <laughs> I've been I searching know. for years, Sean, and within like three seconds, you have the answer for me. <laughs> I love I've been, it. I've been quite at one ship these last few months. But then, yeah. it, so, I don't know. I don't know. It, it might need a bit of work. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, I love it. But yeah, keep keep thinking about that because that the stuff you are talking about isn't selfish but we don't have a word to describe it and I, I people always talk about like self-care but when people think of self-care the the kind of yoga pants smelly candle stuff comes to mind for me and yeah. that's not that's you know if that works for you brilliant it's not my version of self-care it's not it might not be your version of self-care but what what is that word that just allows us and gives us permission and thinks about the positive versions of looking after ourselves in the way that works for us as individuals I think that would be something for us all to really consider in our lives there is a a phrase that the youths use and I must admit I do it myself as well you just say I'm doing me so instead of being selfish just I'm just doing me for a while what does that mean well I'm just thinking about myself just yeah just doing me yeah yeah that's it's a good one isn't it I'm just doing me I'm like and isn't it funny how sometimes the young people have all the answers and then we kind of <laughs> we bash it out of them through yeah. education systems and work systems that kind of want people to fit into nice neat boxes yeah. versus kind of being really human and I I really hope that the next generation are able to keep that sense with them. I, I think I think they are and, and will continue just when you have conversations and sometimes it, it can come across it 
as sort of negative or bad or you think oh no like what's this next generation doing but actually there's a lot of self-empowerment coming and some some young people don't really seem to have much passion or or much sort of power or influence towards a subject or just any interest actually which can be worrying but actually then there's another a side of of the younger generation where they are self-empowered and they do make their own decisions and they're not afraid to, to stand up to, to mum, dad, auntie, stepdad, stepmom, whatever it is, and say, no, like, I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not going to um, my granddad's birthday party because I don't like any of my family. Yeah. And that's probably, <laughs> probably not the best example, but it's that kind of not, not, um, not necessarily having to keep up with the Joneses and yeah. just not doing something because it's what people do or, I don't know what what kind of food you want to have at Christmas. No, don't want turkey this year. Why? Yeah, well, don't fancy it. Well, it's what we've always done. So, it's that kind of just being happy, making their own decisions based on their self and their feeling yeah. and their emotion at the time. And I really hope that that leads to like this this lack of peer pressure on people. And I, I remember uh, that you talk about traditions there. I think it's Brené Brown who I absolutely love, who says that. Um, when people use like well it's tradition as an excuse it's just peer pressure from dead relatives that's oh, what it is yeah <laughs> I love that yeah it is so peer pressure from dead relatives is tradition and why do we take that why why do we do it and you know breaking free of those stereotypes and the things we always have to do can be a really good thing yeah there's a even around sort of sexuality at, at the moment and so many young people will not identify as heterosexual or gay because it's just it's just what it is. Like, so I'm, I'm with a girl. I'm a girl with a girl at the moment. But yeah, in a month I might be with a boy. Like, I don't. I want to put a label on it. It's just, it's just fluid. It's just yeah. what it is, and not necessarily having to say or say it out loud. Sometimes just go with the flow and doing things because you want to do things. It's just that kind of that sign of happiness and taking ownership on yourself, and and then that's when the not being able to moan comes into it because yeah. you've made your own choices. And yes, it can be very difficult going against tradition and actually emotionally draining as well to just ask why all the time. And you're told, oh, it's just because that's the way we do it. For me, that's yeah. not it's not an answer. It's, it's just, okay, so can we change it? Oh, no, no, no. Well, why not? Because that's just the way we've always done it. Right, so yeah. basically you're telling me I'm not welcome here. Or, you know, it's just that sense of tradition is not necessarily, it's not, it's not a reason to, to continue continue doing something yeah. is yeah. there's respect levels but then there's also oh come on let's move on here now guys yeah exactly uh it's it's so amazing to I, I honestly sean i could talk to you for another like 12 hours i think <laughs> about your amazing career and i'm absolutely loving it but we're coming to the point where i want to ask you if it's okay some of my quick fire questions yep right are we ready for them so question number one, I'm really excited to hear your response to this one, is for you, what's always guaranteed to bring you some work joy? Being outside, being active, in short. Love that. Because it's not just rugby then, is it? It's the other stuff, being outside, being active. No, you know, it, it, even on my it. days off, like it'll just be getting out for a walk. And even when it's cold, like, there's nothing more I enjoy doing when it's cold is actually wrap, wrapping up real snug and real warm everything yeah. from hats, gloves, scarves, going outside for a walk, 
but then looking forward to coming home and, and having that, that cup of hot chocolate and, and putting a film on on a oh, Sunday like, evening. Yeah, like the snuggly yeah. warm, snuggle up. Yeah, and exactly. I went out this morning massively underdressed for a very cold walk with the dog, <laughs> wishing I'd put about three more layers on. Yeah, so. the sun's deceiving. The sun's been deceiving <laughs> the, the, at the moment. I was like, it's sunny. A jumper and a little gilet will be fine. No, yeah. I needed oh, a coat. No. I needed a hat. I needed a scarf. <laughs> it was very cold when I got home. Um, question number two. What book are you currently reading or, you know, a podcast, TED Talk, anything like that? We'd love to know a bit about kind of what you're learning through things that are out there. Yeah. So one of my favorites is a book called Natives by a guy called Akala. And I actually listen to most of my books on audiobooks rather than read them because I spend a lot of time in my car. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Natives by Akala. But then also one I'm actually listening to at the moment is by Jeannie Yashere, British comedian, and her yeah. book's called Cat Candid. Ah, oh, okay. Is it so, good? Because I've not read it yet. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really good. And listening to her upbringing, and I, I followed Jeannie Yashere in terms of her career, and like, I think she's hilarious, and watching her on TV and seeing all the things that she's keeping up with. But actually now to see, like we said earlier, to see where she started, like where she is now, she wasn't necessarily destined to get there. And it's kind of things like having a Nigerian parent and that thought of her mum insisted she would be a doctor as she grew up. But it's that going against your parent and how strong you have to be as a person to go against your strong parent who's telling you to be a doctor for her to kind of say, actually, I want to be into arts. Not only do I want to be into arts, but I want to be a comedian, which we're getting to the point where her mum's saying that you can't, it's not a proper job, but you're not doing that. So yeah, it's it's real. Oh. It's a it's a good book. It's funny as well as a lot of lot of funny yeah. parts, and like, she's hilarious as she is. But it's a, yeah. it's a good listen. Oh, I I think she's great. And um, watching her on TV and things like that. So I'd love to hear her backstory. So I'm going to put that one on my audiobook list. Thank you. Um, right. Question three. What's the best or most useful bit of advice that someone has given you in your life that you always find yourself coming back to? So I've got two of my favourite quotes. One was given to me by my athletics coach, John Hillier, when he went to South Africa, came back with a fridge magnet. And on the fridge magnet, it said, winners are dreamers who never give up. And it's that kind of, like physically, I I don't have all the best attributes to, to be the best athlete in the world. Like there's so many more women out there who are taller, who are stronger, like have better coordination, mobility, but they've not achieved because they've not dreamt it can happen. Whereas I spend a lot of time thinking, oh, what if, what if? And, and I try and make that happen. So it's that, that's a kind of dreamer aspect of me and that stubbornness to, to keep going with it. So yeah, winner is a dreamer who never gives up. Brilliant. But then also there's a Hebrew quote of, if not now, then when? If not me, then who? So it's that kind yeah. of, well, just get on with it. And no, nobody else is going to stand up in a room and do it. So be that person to stand up in a room. And with the being on the student rugby football union board, as much as I spoke about wanting different people in boardrooms, wanting different people to make decisions, well, I thought, well, why not? Why not do it myself? I can't yeah. just keep talking about it. If I've got the capacity to do it, then just go out and do it yourself. Be that person. Be the different person in the room. Yeah. And it's so important as it often we can say, well, we want we want this change in the world. We want to see it. But actually acting on it is the thing that will make the change happen. Yeah. Not yep. just not just going, oh, I would love it if there were more women on boards. I'd love it if there were, you know, more young people. I'd love it's like, well, go do that then. Do something about it. And you really did that. Love both of those amazing quotes. Thank you. 
Right. What is one super practical bit of advice to our listeners? Something that they could just go and do now, do today, do tomorrow, kind of maybe build it as a habit that you think would help them get a bit more joy in their lives? Work out. And if it means writing it down, write it down. But work out what makes you happy and don't feel guilty about that. You don't have to show anyone. So if, if you've got children, a wife or husband, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be them. It could be yeah. you going out, doing you, being your own person. Like work out what genuinely, if all else fails, there's nothing else left in this life, what would make you happy? And it is, obviously it's okay to, to be like the traditional ones or of your family, of, of your parents, of your spouse or children. But it's just that knowing in yourself what makes you happy. Um, for me, like if I'm having a down day, I know literally just going outside for a walk is just gonna lift me up. Yeah. So it's that it's that knowing what makes you happy, and and admitting it to yourself and not not feeling guilty for it. And it yeah. might not be like I said, it might not be the traditional, but that's okay because we're we're all very different people. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I often talk about the difference between our like internal stuff and the, the you know getting the recognition or the support from other people and doing that thing about what really makes you happy it doesn't matter if it's about something that you want to do and you don't you're right you don't need to feel guilty if you're not saying well actually it's my kids it's this etc it's like but what about you and really understand that I love that bit of advice and you know for you that simplicity of just going out for a walk I'm with you on that one like oh and I think it's um oh gosh what's his name there's a, a really lovely writer who's a doctor and I cannot remember his name, but he had this quote in his book that says, um, you never feel worse after a walk. And I'm yeah. like, that is so unbelievably true. I've never yeah. felt worse coming back from a walk ever. So love it. Um, right. Thank you. Where can people find out more about you and your work and all of the things that you care about? Because we haven't even got into loads of stuff that you care about. But, we, yeah. uh, you know, where can people kind of discover that about you? So the main one across social has got my Instagram, which is, is my name, Shauna Brown. So it's S-H-A-U-N-A-G-H, Brown, the colour, B-R-O-W-N. And that will be across Instagram, Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn, which is where I pretend to be an adult as well. Um, <laughs> But then I can also, you can also get me on my website, which is again, just my name, shaunabrown.co.uk. And just keep up with it across those. Fab. And we'll we'll put those uh, into um, our little notes when we put this out on social as well so that people can click through to see you. Um, It's really funny you just say about being an adult there. It's actually something I meant to pick up on earlier about that kind of like, what am I going to do when I grow up question. And my response to that usually is don't grow up. It's a trick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a total trick just yeah, uh, yeah. I, I still don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up either so maybe we can help discover that um with each other or just decide not to do it because yeah, so. I was gonna say it's just along with I guess another piece of advice is don't always have a plan it doesn't make yeah. you a bad person to not have a plan I don't yeah. have a plan I have no idea where I'm going to be in 10 years not yeah clue, but it's okay. I, love, I'm okay with that. I love it in interviews or I hate it in interviews when people say so what's your where do you want to be in five years time I'm always like I don't know <laughs> who knows what exciting things may come along yeah. I like these shiny new exciting opportunities and I always feel like if I've made a really serious plan deviating from it would feel bad so just have a real more I just want to experience everything and see where it all heads for me just, just do more. you just do yeah. you you do you <laughs> I'm doing me you're doing you I love it uh Shauna you've been an absolutely wonderful guest thank you so much for sharing your 
wonderful, incredible story with us. I am so excited to watch you on the TV when you're playing rugby and also to see where, you know, that's the interesting thing is what happens next will be a really exciting thing for you. Who knows what opportunities may come up in the future because you're there, you're open to them, you're exploring stuff. I, I, I can't wait to see where you go to. Just going with the flow. Going with the flow. No plan. Just going with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much, Shauna, and I hope to speak to you again soon. Thanks for having me. Bye. I totally loved talking to Shauna, and honestly, I think I could have talked to her for hours and hours more. We didn't really get into it, but she's also doing some amazing work in helping more women to get involved in sport she really wants to help young people get involved in sport because it's had such a fantastic impact on her life and on her career so do go and follow Shauna find out what she's doing Um, watch her on the telly when she's playing rugby all amazing things some of the things that just really stood out for me was this attitude about like not moaning and it's one that I really believe in too is do something take an action ask for help rather than moaning about stuff it's take a little bit of control take some action I think this idea of kind of really thinking about yourself and understanding what it is that really her advice is so great that really makes you happy things that really engage you and to live by that and to be really okay with that and so many little bits of advice around being able to find the things that you enjoy and that you're good at and being open and curious to other opportunities. We heard about how she went from being a discus and shot putter to being a hammer thrower and then getting into rugby, something that 10 years ago she would never have thought about. So being open to opportunities and seeking them out and trying things out is such a good way to find the things that we're passionate about. We're not set at any age. We can still find new things. So thank you to Shauna for coming on the Work Joy Jam. It was such a pleasure talking to you. If you want to find out more about Create Work Joy and everything that's going on in the Work Joy world, do head to the website createworkjoy.com. There you will find details about um, the Work Joy Way coaching program and about Club Work Joy, which is an amazing community of people who are all trying to create and cultivate more joy in their working lives and in their lives in general. In Club Work Joy, we have speakers once a month. We have networking sessions, not the awkward kind, the fun kind. Uh, We have questions and answers and a community of people who will get engaged with you and help you to get what you need out of your life and your working life. So do come join us there. You can either get there through createworkjoy.com or through clubworkjoy.com. Find us, come and join us. We'd love to have you as part of our community. I've been Beth Stallward. Thank you so much for listening to the Workjoy Jam. Do go and check out our other episodes. Mm